The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Nathan Olson, Fabian Cunet, Ehaz Faruqi, Marco Selmo, Michael Krug, and Antonio Sanciolo. There's a hole in the bucket. Dear all y'all, a hole. But at least it ain't empty thanks to your recurring donations. And this one goes out to all y'all. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm, I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Rodrigo's back, and we're feeling glad I got sunshine in a bag. Finally, Steven let me out of my cage. Now, time for me is nothing, because I'm three times Zach's age. Conan's over there, but you shouldn't be scared. I'm good at repairs. Just hide under a chair. Y'all can see me now because you don't see with your eye. You perceive with your mind. That's deep, Ogre. But I'm going to stick around for Zach and be a mentor. Review a few comics so Mother Hubbard remembers. Maybe put a poll up in this. No squealing. Remember, it's all in your head. I may be useless, but not for long. My podcast is coming on. It's coming on. It's coming on because the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 490 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Major Spoilers Experience, a show where we talk about comic books, pop culture, and so much more. And not in a creepy way. You know, the the great part about that open is that now we know that Matthew's references have finally caught on to 1999. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, everybody. Make it into this century if you do it right. Hey, everybody. Look, it's Rodrigo. Hey, I'm back. So, Rodrigo, tell us all about your grand adventures to the uh, to the north uh, and to the east. There were there were many many grand adventures, most of which involved um, me trying to stop something from being broken by rambunctious children. <laughs> um, that's actually the plot of the Terminator. <laughs> I guess that's true. The um, or critters. Um, the, I did find out that, uh, one major advantage of the iPad over say a laptop is that you can get it out of the way of oncoming milk a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So did you have a good holiday then otherwise? Oh yeah, it was great. I mean, it was actually a lot of fun to hang out with my family. I went to see the Hobbit with my dad and my sister. Um, I got to uh, play a lot of music with everybody. Um, I got to see friends from uh, high school. Um, I got to eat Indian food, which is pretty much uh, impossible out here. 
It was a good time. Yeah, you know, if you were here 20 years ago, you could have had Indian food. Yeah. Where the Quiznos is now used to be an Indian restaurant. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of unfortunate. You you see that happen. But, you know, I mean, there's... Of course, a, 20 I'm, years I'm ago, you were that... still having your diapers changed, I think. <laughs> yes, 20 years ago, <laughs> I definitely was... <laughs> Um, what was, what was the cool gift you, uh, you got this year? Uh, I got a lot of cool gifts, but my brother, uh, kind of blew everything out of the water cause he got me a djembe, cool. which, is an, which is an African, an African drum. drum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, it's tall. And then it's like, if you think of like a wine glass, it's kind of shaped that way, except yeah. you know, not quite so exaggerated. Um, but I got, so how do you, uh, fly that thing back to, uh, to Russell? I didn't, I didn't, I left it at, uh, at my parents' house and, uh, they're shipping it to me. Oh, that's nice. Nice. You know, unless my, unless my dad decides that he wants to get good at it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're glad to have you back, Rodrigo. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're glad to be back to work and everything that comes with that as are we all. Yes, work is great. Zach, Zach's been working hard on some secret major spoilers project stuff. Yeah, secretive. So oh. Don't even ask me about it. I won't. <laughs> Why don't we get to some news? This week we have some confirmation that the Justice League Dark movie is in development. Major spoilers best of 2012. And the future of Marvel is Smash. Or maybe it's Make Out. Or maybe it's... I don't know. It's now, that's for sure. Let's spin that wheel of destiny <laughs> and see where we land. The future of Marvel is Pokemon. You know, yes. If they would do that, they probably who owns Pokemon? Uh, Nintendo, technically. Nintendo, technically. Wonder how long it'll be before Disney buys them. I think actually they're going to buy Disney. Yeah, right. <laughs> I did hear Disney was planning on laying off some things. Oh, look, the wheel stopped on number one. Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> Never ceases to enter. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So uh, the director confirmed to uh, IGN an interview. I think he's over at uh, Consumer Electronics Show this week promoting, I don't know what he's promoting, but something with Pacific Rim. Uh, that giant robot fighting monster yeah, thing, which, which looks pretty sweet. cool. A new trailer came out for it. Yeah, I haven't put that up on the site yet, Zach. I wonder how come you didn't put that up on the site yet. Hmm, I must have been my Zach is slacking, <laughs> everyone. Uh, so anyway, he sat down and was doing an interview, and he confirmed that Justice League Dark is indeed in development. Uh, it hasn't been given a full green light from uh, DC or Warner Brothers, uh, but he is actively seeking a writer, and he says the writer that he is uh, currently pursuing is one that will make everybody happy i don't know what that means he's actually going to hire hp lovecraft he's (laughs) used the necronomicon to raise him from the grave that would make me happy uh, he's he's gonna have john constantine actually be english this time that that would probably be a start well who who used to write hellblazer like who's who's uh garth Garth Ennis. ennis yeah He's gonna get uh, Alan he's gonna Moore. Get, he's gonna get he's gonna get Alan Moore. Well, but so it. when you say Justice League Dark, he never said Constantine in the interview. The three that he kept mentioning over and over again: uh, Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. Spectre, Zatanna, Dead Man. That's Those, four. Yeah, that's who he kept mentioning again and again. I f- forgot that well, he mentioned Dead Man. Swamp Thing mm-hmm. isn't even a part of the. Just- I wonder if it's going to be. Well, clearly it's going to be an adaptation adaptation and they can do what they want i don't i'm gonna bet it's not 
you know, a telling of like the current Justice League dark stuff in 52, but that he's taking those dark universe characters and working a story around them. It could very well be that Justice League Dark turns out to be Vertigo All Stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More so. Oh, than maybe that's what they should Justice call it. Dark. Vertigo All Stars versus Tekken. Vertigo All Stars would be, <laughs> be a sweet like name. a really good name for a rap group. Yeah, like a super group. Actually, it sounds more like a Saturday morning. You can get all nine of the Wu Tang guys and the cartoons, and the, the guy I was quoting earlier, who's also a cartoon. <laughs> Vertigo All Stars versus Tekken. That would be funny. And the banana uh, splits. Swamp Thing, Constantine, Zantana. Oh, whatever. Anyway, so who is this mystery Zantana, writer? Two Zantana, three Zantana, four, <laughs> four Zantana. Wait, I think I've had that dream. <laughs> uh, so who do you think this mystery writer is, Zach? If you think this this writer that he's courting that would make everybody happy. Oh. Just uh, No, surely not. Who I don't know. I've never read any of the dark stuff. I know that Jeff Lemire's writing it right now, and he said on Twitter that he's not he's not a part of it at all. Oh, the writing Animal Man. Yeah, he's yeah. writing Animal Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't he? Is he writing Dark too? I don't know. I haven't been reading that. I think I read Neither like two I. issues, and that's it. Matthew, who's I writing? Think he might be who's writing uh, Justice League um, Dark right now? And who would make the God, good all no, the good? I haven't read my Justice League books in like three months. Mm-hmm. Um, who would who would make a good writer then? Do you think? Well, if he's saying he's going to make everybody happy, he's probably talking about somebody with a profile. So I would say probably either uh, Ennis, mm. who, you know, writes the hell out of that sort of thing, or, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who might be meaningful to uh, a comic book type people uh, well, from the movie perspective. Who wrote the Batman movies? Oh, Joel that's Schumacher. Orchie and um, what's his name? And Orchie and Jughead. Yes. <laughs> if we get Orchie and Jughead in there. To write this, I think it'd be interesting. Actually, I think who wasn't wrote, it uh, who wrote Avengers? That was Whedon, Whedon made it. a big uh, hole in that one. And then uh, I think it wasn't, uh, isn't it Batman uh, director's brother helped write? Yeah, uh, Nolan and his Nolan, brother. Yeah, it. Nolan and his brother wrote that. So His brother Nolan Ryan? Yes. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, I had mentioned that maybe since they're dealing with horror and Del Toro's unique brand of horror, that perhaps he was looking at someone like Stephen King or perhaps Joe Hill. Stephen King's son to take on the adaptation. Yeah, definitely. I think Joe Hill would would not be someone that people outside of comics would would immediately uh, realize. I don't know if he's written uh, prose and and made a name for himself that way, but certainly in comic circles it would resonate because Lock and Key has been a huge success. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard anybody express themselves like badly about lock and key unless it's like you know being squicked out at scary stuff that's that's happening in it which is in and of itself what the writer wants right right um i think you know if you're gonna like we're talking guillermo del toro we're talking writing a dark adaptation of something i'd say he could get mike mignola to write it no that would be a good one yeah. Hmm. Well, we won't know. Obviously, we're just playing the speculation game uh, because he's keeping everything what if secret. He gets his brother Benicio to read it, to write it. <laughs> well, he he'll he'll star in it as Werewolf by Night. <laughs> there you oh go. wait, that's no, that's a different company. He flip you. He flip you. He flip you good. Um. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that the uh, that uh, 
Warner Brothers has at least said, give me a, a pitch, a plot, a breakdown, and then we'll see if yeah, we give I mean, it a green light from there. But, you know, I'm everybody's really gaga over the specific rim. And the yeah. new trailer shows a lot of the giant robot inside yeah, stuff, which cool. looks kind of cool. Yeah, it looks really cool. Um, and there's now talk that, you know, they he was trying to do his dream project is to do an adaptation of uh, At the Mountains of Madness, the mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft one. And now there's talk that if this Pacific Rim is going to be as hot as everyone's thinking it is, that that might be resurrected first yeah. before something like Justice League Dark hits. Now, the Justice League movie is scheduled for like 2015. 15, yeah. So we've got a ways. I'm going to bet that Warner Brothers is not going to push for a Justice League Dark before no, uh, any no, kind no. of Justice League movie. And to be honest, it might be better that Wait, maybe this think, isn't a movie. You don't think they would? No, well, no. it is Warner Brothers, but I don't think that they would push a Justice League Dark before. Um, oh, I I think they certainly would. I think that this could very well be their blade. You know, mm, yeah. when 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 Marvel was getting ready to start booting up superheroes, that's what they did. Right. They threw yep. out a property that wasn't as big as their other properties. They didn't even, you know, push it as a Marvel title. And it was a dark, gritty, scary superhero. Yeah, it, so, it, it was. Yeah. <laughs> but I think with the name Justice League attached to it, that if they if it came out and then it didn't do so hot, then that would. Just poison like, the water yeah, well. Poison the uh, future uh, and, of their and you know, Marvel you know attack. What? You know what? The the name's attached now. Right. 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 Uh, as as you you know, Hellblazer was you know the the the, the John Constantine movie quote unquote wasn't <laughs> called Hellblazer. It was called Constantine. So the the title is the the last thing that's going to get attached to the movie. Quite possibly. I can't wait. I, I want to follow this and see what happens. Um, I'm going to bet we'll hear some more around March. When does Pacific Rim hit? Uh, not until July. July. Yeah. But, okay, so I'm going to say March. We'll start hearing more about Justice League Dark. Because you'll start your big, big push then mm-hmm. for the the movie. Yeah. Early press will start coming out. Del Toro will announce his uh, next two projects. One of them, hopefully, Justice League Dark. Listeners, you can share your thoughts on who you think might be a good writer, how they might approach this property over at Majorspoilers.com. There is a link in your show notes. All right. Quick thanks to everyone who has donated to the cause. We've had uh, continually having people uh, canceling their $2 and their $5 a month recurring donations and instead upping it up to a $10 a month recurring donation, which is always good. We love you. Yeah, we do. There's a... People have been doing it. A couple of people did that this week already, so we're very uh, happy about that. And listeners, if you want to see this show continue, if you want to see major spoilers stay afloat, if you want us to see uh, us continue to do more great things, a one-time, a $2, $5, $10 a month donation is always appreciated. And if you donate that $10 a month recurring, guess what? You'll get your name shouted out at the top of the show. Now, you may not be able to understand it, (laughs) but you'll be able to get it shouted out at the top of the show. Hey, he would be, they would be in good company because there's a major director out there who couldn't understand his name being pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. oh, it's good to have you back, brother. Good to have you back. <laughs> well, he stepped on my punchline because I was getting up there like Guillermo del Toro. Uh, um, uh, hey, uh, listen, if you want to uh, check out what happened at Major Spoilers in 2012 and the best book of 2012, according to Major Spoilers. You definitely want to go check out our Major Spoilers Best of 2012 series. 
Uh, we break it down by the numbers. We tell you how many books we reviewed during the year. We talk about how many uh, books received what star rating. And then we talk about our top publisher. I'll give you a hint. Top publisher this year, Image Comics, Woo. is according nice. to our to our data. Uh, then uh, we break it down to the top five uh, series of 2012. I'll give you another hint. Uh, lock and key at number five. Mm. So, uh, and it goes up from there and it gets better. Every time you go up from five, four, three, two, and one, it's just like you're upping the quality value of those books. So uh, go check that out. It's over at Majorspoilers.com. Of course, you can read a bunch of other reviews and uh, commentary over there as well. Speaking of reviews, we have some. We do's? We do's. <laughs> we have some b- books from last week, some books from this week. I don't know. Is G.I. Joe last week or this week, Matthew? G.I. Joe would have been, I think, last week. I'm not All right. sure. And we have one that comes out sometime in the future. Yes. Why don't we yes. get? Uh, why don't we start things off with a fatal number eleven? Ed Brew Baker, Sean Phillips. Uh, this is the uh, first in the ongoing series. The first two uh, trades, uh, the first two tales have been collected. Death chases me in the devil's business. Uh, both very excellent uh, arcs. Uh, this next arc is really kind of looking more and expanding upon uh, the fatal universe. So this story takes place in. I want to say 19, 1936 in Texas. Um, Josephine has gone to Texas. She is trying to find out more about herself. And uh, she has come across a writer who she believes might have an answer. Uh, he's a pulp writer in Texas hmm, in the 1930s. Hmm. Uh, someone who is possessed. Well, you know, uh, Robert. First names. You would think Robert E. Howard is uh, someone that's kind of that way. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's somebody that did write uh, some pulp stories and the story that he tells, uh, has struck Josephine and she wants him to recount it. And it's all about, uh, when the author was a little boy, how his mom got hooked up with this, uh, crazed man who was able to get people to do whatever he wanted to do. And they were going down to Mexico to find something and his mom and the rest of the uh, people following him went a little crazy he found this book that uh, spoke of unspeakable horrors, and uh, he ran away from, from the tribe and uh, came back. And I say tribe, I group, cult, whatever you want to call it. Um, came back to Texas, and his mother followed him. And as Josephine says, I want to speak to your mother about this man's power. She walks upstairs and discovers uh, an unspeakable horror. And it's pretty good. Ah. It is. It's it's very Cthulhu-oriented uh, Cthulhu, uh, Cthulhu-esque. Um, as Someone she runs away, hear their name be mutated. As uh, well, Og Shagath will certainly not hear his name muta- mutated on this show. Um, as she runs away, it's interesting because the author is like, "Huh, she could see my mother, but I wonder if she really knows who she is." And it kind of has just a weird kind of ending uh, to it. I won't spoil too much of it. It was a really good read. Interesting thing. Is that uh, I think it's Brew Baker who's writing the backup uh, stories, uh, the not the stories, the I don't know, not really a letters column, but a notes page. He's talking about how this arc is not necessarily going to feature Josephine in all of it. So like the next two arcs take place like a hundred years before uh, this this issue takes place. This events in this issue. Oh. And then it's like three or four issues later that she shows back up and it ties all back together. So um, we'll hear a comment later from uh, Pierce, I think, is going to be talking about Fatal. And he's wondering how they're going to handle it. I'm wondering how they're going to handle it, uh, this story as well. Um, Brubaker does go on to say, 
in the uh, in his notes that this was a story that can go on for a long time and not to worry about it. And that this is stuff that he has put aside because he was working on criminal and didn't want to let go of those books. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now he's just going full bore on this and seeing how far they can take it. And I hope it continues for a long time. The art by uh, Sean Phillips continues to be really, really good. Uh, I'm giving this book, uh, I'm going to give it four slices of meatloaf out of five. Nice. Fatal number 11 out last week from Image Comics. We'll just go down the list. Let's go to uh, G.I. Joe and Danger Girl number five. Matthew, this, I understand, is the final issue in the, the pairing of these two. Indeed it is. And if you've actually been reading the series or even read, just checked it out. As I, I read I the first one. Yeah. There's a definite vibe here that the year 1999 called and wants its comics back. Yay. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily a great thing. Uh, the cover of the book that I bought actually has Abby Chase standing in the foreground with a waist that's smaller than her jawline. Yay, 1999! <laughs> uh, but in the previous four issues, Abby Chase, the danger girl in Danger Girl, or at least the primary danger girl, the one that you know from all the J. Scott Campbell covers with the lowrider jeans and the maybe it's a shadow, maybe it's a nipple, has gone undercover in Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization plotting to rule the world and has come head to head against G.I. Joe, America's fighting man. Uh, at the end of issue four, Abby had been outed as a traitor. A G.I. Joe underground squad had come in to try and find her. And as the issue ended, Snake Eyes, the most awesomely Ninja Joe, was confronted by his blood brother, Storm Shadow. <gasps> Now, if Snake Eyes and Storm dun, dun, Shadow dun. come head to head, you know what's going to happen. And it goes like this. Ninja fight! <laughs> Ninja battle. At the same time, it, no, actually, it's Duke. Forgive me. I was going to say Flint. Flint and Duke are kind of the same guy to me. I don't like either of them. Um, you know, it's command level. You had to be there. <laughs> Duke, on board the USS Flag, is also fighting against a whole bunch of Cobra submarines. And the book pretty much goes the way you think it's going to go. The artist is doing his very best to show you some J. Scott Campbell. Uh, artist name is uh, John Royal. Yeah. And I believe the layouts were done by Jeff Moy. Um, but Philip Moy, Jeff's brother, does the inks, as I can prove, because I counted seven tongues in the book, two from uh, Snake Eyes. That's not true, actually. <laughs> but they do a really good job of synthesizing the Danger Girl, what I think of as the Danger Girl style. Mm-hmm. But it also works. In last issue, if you read my review, there was a reference to the Fensler Films G.I. Joe parodies where Roadblock all of a sudden in the middle of us fistfights like, who wants a body massage? And I laughed at that. I thought that was awesome. I imagine Danger Girl fans have similar moments throughout this issue. And there are quite a few of them in here where I'm like, oh, awesome. It's Torpedo. I got a question. Do the, do the airplanes blow up and then uh, parachutes open? Oh, he's still no, bitter about that. There's I no am bitter about that. No. You should be bitter about that. But there's a ninja fighting and there's fighty fighty, and Abby Chase goes head to head with the Baroness and does something that someone should have done 35 years ago: shoots Destro in the face. And of course, Destro wears a mask made of solid beryllium, so it kind of just falls off and just jets off his head. But it's a really wonderful moment. And I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Oh, yeah, I did, but I was 12 and I forgot about it. The main part of this issue is just kind of the wrap-up and the fighty-fighty, but there's a lot of character stuff. 
And you can't really do anything in a big crossover to ruin anybody's character or change anybody's character. So they just like to show us everybody's character, but they do it in a really entertaining way. You get Scarlet being Scarlet and Snake Eyes being Snake Eyes and Cobra Commander sounding for all the world like the late Chris Latta. And, of course, they save the day. The only real with the issue is that Abby Chase hews very close to the superhero metaphor. And G.I. Joe really kind of doesn't in a weird way. As much as they're superhero bits and pieces, it's not a superhero book most of the time, at least, you know, the cartoons that I've seen and the stories that I've read. So when Abby Chase goes solo and takes out on a Cobra little, uh, what do you call those things with the wheels? Cobra four-wheeler. It's got a cool name like Fram or Stat. I don't know. But she takes off and she's doing all this really awesome superhero-y stuff and then leaps through the air to try and catch the the escaping craft. It kind of feels weird in a G.I. Joe story. But then I imagine that the G.I. Joe portions probably feel weird in a Danger Girl story if you're a huge fan. And, of course, the last line of the issue is knowing is half the battle. So that right there earns them a star. That and the fact that uh, the uh, epilogue has Cobra Commander vowing that Cobra will return with a vengeance. I will return in the next series, G.I. Joe! (laughs) Once was a man! But for me, anything G.I. Joe related always has two barriers for awesome a do they get the names right yes that's good b does it have flash in it no so you know 50 50 but all in all it's it's good for what it is it's the last 10 minutes of a big dumb summer chop sake flick and there's nothing wrong with that three and a half slices of meatloaf it's a nice wrap up i didn't expect world shattering i didn't expect of mice and men but it's a nice story it's a cute story. Everybody looks good. Everybody smiles. And Abby Chase has a waist so small that her internal organs are actually stored in her breasts, which explains her shape. Actually. Uh. See, that's where she keeps her kidneys. <laughs> but uh, all in all, not a bad book at all. Even if you complain about 1999, not a bad book. All right. Let us jump over to Rodrigo, who we haven't heard enough from this show. Mm-hmm. And you're going to talk about Todd, the ugliest kid on earth. <laughs> they, won't, they won't let us uh, run too many uh, images from this book in previews no. up on the site. They've specifically said, nope, you can't run these uh, these pages. No images. You can run this one. And I think it's like the cover is the only image they want us to run. Right. It's, is there a reason why? Um, Other than they don't want it spoiled, maybe, but. Actually, if you read the the description of the that they sent us, um, that spoils like a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's stuff in that description that's not in the book yet. A collision of comedy, like, uh, sex, and violence. That's all we're gonna say. Yes. Uh so this is the story of Todd, the ugliest kid on earth. <laughs> Number one. I read this. No. Uh, <laughs> um, the end. <laughs> the end. Zach, a, what are you <laughs> A story happened. Rating possible. Okay. No. Uh, so this is a story of like a really, really ugly kid and how he gets himself into trouble. And he's nice. 
but there's this bully and he the bully always manages to swing things so that Todd gets in trouble. Um, then some children are murdered and then the story continues. Like this book is really intense um because it's very matter of factly about matter of fact about what's happening. Like it's all comedy in a sense. But it's really comedy of the, of the darkest kind. I mean, like, you know, the, the, a, a central character or an important character in this is a serial killer that kills children. Oh boy. Uh, and, and this book is comedic. So, you know, going, you have to, you should know that going into this, honestly. This is, that's, that's probably like the main warning that I would throw on it. That it's a funny look Once at you get, child killers. Yes. Once you get past that, it's actually pretty good. Like, and, and I mean, that's, that's not in conflict with the quality of it. There's a book that's kind of pulling it off. Um, the art is interesting. It's very stylized. Um, I would compare it to, um, it's not identical, but it's a similar idea to, uh, the guy who's doing Chew. Oh, Gilroy. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Gilroy. Yeah. John What's Layman. Gilroy. Yeah, no, he's Gilroy. John Layman's Rob writer. Gilroy. Yeah, Rob the Gilroy. the coloring and the inking are certainly different. Like, help to 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 set it apart from that even further because the art's not exactly the same. But there's there's definitely something like that. Like oh, yeah. it has that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of I see stylization. That. Yep, you're right. Um, and um, yeah. So you know. Serial killers, dysfunctional families, and eventually we're going to, from the description that they sent us, things are going to get even crazier. But I actually enjoyed it. It was interesting. It was funny. It was fun. And I'm hoping that this build, and there's a lot of topical references, which, of course, in, you know, two or three years are going to severely date this book. But, um, you know, forget you know farther down the line mm-hmm. but you know i mean it's uh it's not a book that is really trying to be timeless it's really kind of trying to talk about what's going on now in in people's uh like it's kind of kind of in the zeitgeist um so all all together i would i would give this book three slices of meatloaf mm-hmm. i mean it's good it's solid the art is good it's definitely above average mm-hmm. um but the barrier to entry is going to be pretty rough because the moment where you find out that a serial killer has serial killed is really intense. Sort of in the in how deadpan they are about it. I'm just flipping through the pages and looking at the art. That yeah. Todd kid's got to be pretty ugly. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's 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 important. You don't see him. He wears a paper bag over his head. I bet he wears two paper bags over his head in case one of them breaks. Well, he <laughs> takes he takes it off momentarily. <laughs> oh, oh my god! <laughs> yes, I made a two bagger reference. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because I can. The unknown comic called to say you're stealing his gimmick. <laughs> so three slices of meatloaf for Todd the ugliest kid on earth. I don't remember when this comes out. To be honest, I think it's. Oh, I don't remember. I keep thinking it's this week. In the I don't remember seeing it on Images site. Let me. I, is, I don't think it's released by Image, is it? I don't know that it was. In oh, it's our... not on Image. Oh, I thought it was an Image book. Let's see. I'm wrong. 
thought it was. Maybe it is. Uh, let's see. Previews for 1-9. Nope. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, it does come out this week. This week, the ninth from Image Comics. Sweet. Hooray! All right, Zach, let us wrap this uh, segment up with right. a look at a book from Marvel, because yes. we don't review enough Marvel on no, this podcast. Don't. Of course not. So, last week, you heard us review a Punisher trade. That was the first thing All I really right. read of Punisher. So today, I'm reviewing a Punisher single issue. Oh, see, it had an impact. Look at that. We got a phone call about the Punisher coming up here in a little bit, too. Oh, look at that. Everything's just Punisher today. Not the Punisher? Hmm? Is it is a call from the Punisher? Because that would be sweet. No, that would be sweet. No. Nice. <laughs> I listen to your podcast. Now I'm coming to shoot you all, <laughs> especially the fat one. Little does he know we're all <laughs> fat. Does he know. <laughs> <laughs> so Punisher this is a nightmare. Is Punishmare nightmare number one of five. Because I've learned that Punisher is king of the miniseries. Because that's all I see oh, him yeah. in every ever. He was in space a little while ago. That was probably fun for him. He was also a Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And apparently he was yeah, also an angel at one point. Wow. Yeah, that all also over the place. Wasn't so, this issue is interesting because it delves, it gives some of the backstory of Punisher, but it also introduces a character who ends up in a similar situation as the Punisher did the night his family was died died was murdered and the punisher was born was quiet died. you was died what happened sorry yeah um so um when it starts out it's punisher and he's he kills someone that's that that's all that really matters he kills someone in the first couple of pages and they didn't really come back up again because he killed a kid on accident the punisher killed him punisher pretty- killed a kid no, uh, he killed a kid. Oh. He killed a kid that killed a kid. Oh, I see. So that's pretty, I feel like, pretty standard Punisher. Not a big deal. Then it goes into a family whose um, dad is back from the military, and he's promising his daughter that he's not going back, and as he makes this big promise to her that he's going to be there forever, shots start ringing out, and the dad, the mom, and the girl all get dropped, and they end up dying, but the father lives. And so Punisher is intrigued by this and eventually does some checking. And this this uh, man is quite interesting because he was doing tours of duty in the Middle East, but he was doing this blog while he was there. And Punisher starts reading it to find out a backstory about why this guy might have been in the crossfire of all these bullets and what his deal was. And that was really the best part of the issue is when they go back through this guy's blog because he suffers from, like, a sp- he gets a split personality almost about how he delves into it about how part of him has to be uh, ruthless and stuff to fight the militants over there, but then the other half of him is peaceful and helping the leaders establish democracy and and all that good stuff throughout the countries. And those those sequences were interesting because it was all in like third person from each other place and he would as he was talking about his personality he was now he was talking about the other personality and how that just ended up funneling the story and that was the best part i mean that was the best part of the issue the punisher was going after some mob guys and his dialogue was kind of 
rough flowing because Punisher's rough, so that makes sense. But it was hard to read, and it was the sentence structure was weird. The but the soldiers' writings were intriguing about how he was dealing with war and his thoughts. And then he eventually says, "I don't want anyone to die," because he has to. The military finds out about him. He has to stop because he's going too 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 crazy. Uh, but Punisher is out to avenge this man's death because he cannot, because he is, or his, his family's death because he's in a coma. And then you get a big moment where, which will set up the rest of this miniseries as a duo taking down some peeps with guns blazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I was torn about I'll probably keep reading this because at least for another issue to see what happens with this other character that's not Punisher because that's more intriguing to me at the moment the art it it was pretty good the action sometimes or the characters faces got the less and less detail throughout the issue depending on how much action there was going on so that was kind of annoying Uh, some of the the artists also flip-flopped 180 a couple times, which was quite annoying. But all in all, it was it was an okay read. It was better than I thought it was going to be. The, so that was nice. I'm going to give it three <laughs> slices of meatloaf. <laughs> okay. All right. Matthew, did you read this book? No? Yes? Maybe? Rodrigo, are you there? I did not read this. Okay. Oh, sorry. I, I turned that off. I was hey. uh, trying to hear what Matthew I did not read Les Strauss. I mean, The Punisher. I don't read The Punisher until about, well, usually eight to nine weeks after it hits the stands. Mm. Because that's when it comes back to my office to go into the uh, back issue bins. Ah. I don't actually, I can't read Punisher at any point where anyone can see me. Because mm-hmm. then I lose my street cred as the hipster, you know, doofus who knows old comics but uh doesn't care for the 90s mm-hmm. all yeah. right then well listeners you can head over to majorspoilers.com you can read all sorts of reviews over there including a look at talon a look at uh what do we got uh, the manhattan projects and many many more and while you're over there if you get the urge to buy any of these books in trade paperback form maybe you need a new pair of uh, headphones or maybe you need a new mp3 player click on that amazon.com link Buy away. I just bought some things this week that should be coming in that should be kind of cool. Use the Amazon.com link. Same great price, same great shipping. Little credit comes back our way, and that means we can keep doing great shows like this. Or we can continue to do shows like this. (laughs) If you don't. (laughs) Uh, Let's get to the major spoilers poll of the week. Ah, this week. It's time. It is time. For the major spoilers. <laughs> yes, yes, major spoilers. What, what? All of the week, 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 week. <laughs> a little distortion yes, there. Yes, yes, the major spoilers, poll of the what? <laughs> yes, yes, the what? Little, little dropout, I couldn't hear you. What? Hurry, man, I'm on the end of my seat. The end? I'm on the end of Your my seat. seat. has a point? It does have an no end to it. So it has an end to it. Hey, no, you, you know what? Pro. You know what? Let's just get to some fighty-fighty stuff. 
Who's going to win in a fight, Zach? Omni-Man or Superman? New 52 Superman, to be more precise. Uh, Omni-Man. Why? Uh, I haven't read New Superman 52 books. <laughs> <laughs> and Omni-Man has a mustache. And it's super cool. <laughs> All right. Rodrigo. My, it's called the robot chicken effect. <laughs> Rodrigo. Seriously. <laughs> Uh, I would I would also give it to Omni Man because if you see the stuff that Omni Man is willing to do um, to people, you like New Fifty Two Superman. I don't think would have would be able to to defend really well, and I don't think that New Fifty Two Superman is quite at the same power level, like uh, you know, on purpose because right. they don't necessarily want him to be that powerful. But Omni Man. Yeah. It's kind of set up from the very beginning as kind of a, your Silver Age Superman. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, just just somebody who is just ludicrously strong and fast and, you know, just superhuman in every way. Yeah, that's kind of why I made it very specific saying New 52 Superman mm-hmm. as opposed to Modern Age Superman or Silver Age Superman. Because right, if this right. was Silver Age Superman, I really think the two would be able to go toe-to-toe and Superman would eventually win with some kind of shenanigans. Yeah. But uh, New 52 Superman, I had to give it to... Use his Inviso Brett. (laughs) (laughs) I had to give it to Omni-Man would come out the victor. Because Omni-Man at least can re-heal himself. You know, he's got the healing factor. healing factor. New Superman. (laughs) Guy's kind of a putz. Matthew, what about (laughs) you? That's kind of the way I feel about it. And what I've read of New 52 Superman... He's basically superpowered Batman, and superpowered Batman for all that. You know, Wait a minute, superpowered awesome. Batman! I want to change my <laughs> <That's> vote. <awesome. laughs> Next week, Omni Man versus Batman. Batman wins. Omni Man, on the other hand, is played as being at least as powerful, completely ruthless, and has experience beating the living but Jesus out of things that are equally as invulnerable as himself, including his. So son. I think Omni Man is. Yeah, his son, his other son, his Abraham best friend. Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah, knocked Abraham Lincoln's head right off. But when you uh, go through and you look at it, I think that Omni Man would probably beat the living snot out of the new 52 Superman. But that may just be because I'm really old, and in some ways, new 52 Superman is kind of like Superman in name only for me, as terrible as that sounds. I don't like change. <laughs> I hate change. But you know change what's interesting, though? You know, go ahead, Rodrigo. Well, I was, I mean, in a, in a sense, it, it's funny because Superman is an old character and Omni Man mm-hmm. is in a lot of ways a new character, but right. Omni Man is very clearly, you know, right down to the graying temples, uh, a, um, something that's supposed to be a stand in for that yeah. old Superman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's interesting how a more recent character you know, maybe for Matthew occupies that space now instead of Superman because Superman has been changed to be younger, hipper, and uh, wear platy armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, it's... they they have used the tropes to invert the what I should be seeing as the positions of the characters. Yes, yeah. a creepy point. Dan Hunter says Omni Man would win. Um, recent Rune says Omni Man looks like J. Jonah Jameson in a costume. Man, I wonder what books he's reading. I've never seen them. Berto so Ramos draw. Right there would be... JJJ with uh, <laughs> big old muscles right there. Uh, he would just fire I mean, Superman. Look at his head. I can see it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd just fire Superman. Superman, you're Parker, fired. Give me pictures of that Omni Man. I'm voting Supes, says Rob. Uh, Superman says old comic fan. 
Uh, Scott M says Superman will all be the always be the greatest. Gordon T says he says from what he's seen of the new Fifty Two Superman, he doesn't have the power level to defeat Omni Man. Ask me again after the current Hell on Earth, or sorry, the Hell on Earth storyline. Um, Omni Man would win. What'd you say? L. Yeah, L. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a mitch- mismatch. Says Clubber uh, Lang. Uh, Superman beats Omni-Man with his crazy superpowers like his heat vision and his ice breath. And a lot of people weighing in this week. You can read the comments or share your own over at Majorspoilers.com. And you can see how the rest of the Major Spoilers nation has voted. I think Omni-Man has those powers too, doesn't he? I don't know. I think think he's just got the super strength and the flight. Yeah. I've never seen him. Omni-Man had some sort of laser vision. No. I've never seen him do it. Mm Mm-mm. I'm going to have to send the spoiler rights to go looking. No. Anyway, Matthew, the hint is you can go and see how the rest of the Major Spoilers <laughs> Nation has voted when you go over to Majorspoilers.com. It's time. No, 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 no. We get to the part of. <laughs> oh, the other part? Yes, the other part. <laughs> no, no, no. You're going backwards. We need to move forwards. <laughs> 234 spoiler there rights we go. have voted. This one has been really tight. Oh, all day I long. I checked on it like four times today, and it was 50 to 50. 50-50 all day long. And right now, Omni-Man has an ever-so-slight lead. Like I say, 230. Wow, that took forever to reboot. Eight votes. <laughs> 53%. 53 being my lucky number. Uh, Omni-Man, 47% new 52 Superman. That 53%. Basically represents a difference of twelve votes. I think at this point, it's not. Much yeah, it's at not all. by much. Yeah, it's it's really close. It's really close. So vote early and vote often, as they say in Chicago. Well, it prevents you from voting from the same machine twice. Let's just say. So that. clear your browser history and change. <laughs> don't your tell people how to rig the voting. Come I didn't on, tell them how. <laughs> I don't even know what those things mean. All right, everybody, let's take a clear quick break. Your Heat up some spoons. Yes, let's uh, take a quick break. Listen to some listener call-ins, and when we come back, we will be talking about everyone's favorite hero, Conan the Barbarian. Batman. What? Conan the Batman? <laughs> well, that would actually Conan be pretty cool. We'll be right back. I thought everyone's favorite hero was Omni-Man. Hey, guys. It's Pierce calling from Vancouver, Canada. I just wanted to phone in and talk a little bit about uh, 2012, uh, a little bit of a year interview. Now, I'm sure... Uh, lots of people are going to talk about uh, the real runaway successes like Saga and everything else, so I won't really touch on that even though it's awesome and everybody should read it. I wanted to talk about what I read last year, things like, um, well, first off, Baytow. Uh, it's the latest series from Brubaker and Phillips. Now, I've been reading these guys since I got back into comics around 2007 when they were doing Criminal um, and I'm, I gotta say, these, these two guys, they work together like a finely oiled machine. It's absolutely beautiful stuff to read. The art is phenomenal. They really crafted a great story through the first 10 issues. Um, I'm a little worried, to be honest, about where they're going to go because issue 11 is kind of feeling like they're kind of, I don't know. I mean, I'm just going to wait and see with the ongoing stuff. But in 2012, I have to say Fatal was my favorite book. Um, another book that I read a lot, uh, through the entire year, um, and I know a lot of people don't really like the character, but I am a big fan of Conan the Barbarian and, uh, coming off of the reasonably good, uh, first 
series with, uh, you know, Road of Kings and then Throne of Aquilonia, Brian Wood got his hands and started on the Queen of the Black Coast arc. Um, and I have to say, it was started out really, really good. Um, but I think that they've gotten it in their minds that they want to extend this whole Bolit-Conan relationship. And I don't know. I mean, it's it was a, it's just a little disappointing. I, I really enjoyed the first little bit of Queen of the Black Coast, and I know it got turned into a motion comic, which, you know, I don't really like motion comics, but uh, you can see it up on YouTube if you can't track down the issues. Um, but yeah, uh, that was the other book that I read. Um, not really too happy with Conan the Barbarian right now. I'm going to keep reading it because I am kind of a homer for that series, but uh, you know it is what it is. Uh, movie-wise, I know a lot of, I mean, there was lots of, multi-million, billion-dollar movies with The Avengers and, and, and Dark Knight Rises, but I don't think enough can be said about Dread. Dread was awesome. Watching Carl Urban scowl his way through that movie was just so much fun. Um, I, it, it's, I don't know, it flopped at the box office. It didn't do as well as, as it thought, and maybe that has to do with the whole 3D gimmick. Um, but I really think that uh, it's going to become one of those cult movies and I think everybody should go out and watch it. Mm, on the podcast side of things, I just have to uh, extend some congratulations to Zach for really being able to carve out uh, a little niche for himself amongst some really strong personalities. Um, it's been a lot of fun listening to him. Uh, as someone who just recently got into comics back in 2007 myself after a long hiatus, I understand the whole not understanding the references and everything else. So I just wanted to say congratulations and uh, keep up the good work. And I'm looking forward to where things are going in 2013. 2012 was awesome, and I'm hoping for more. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks a lot. Uh, all right. Bye. Hello there, gentlemen. This is Slappy from the forums. And I want to speak about uh, the Frank. Well, welcome back, Frank, that you just reviewed last week. I'm sorry that i a little bit late on this, but the holidays will throw you back a little. Anyway, I happen to have really enjoyed that uh, when it was in the original issues, and then I went back and reread it actually this week when I managed to get up into the attic and dig it out. Also, I'm surprised that nobody happened to mention that the Punisher movie, the original Punisher movie with Thomas Jane, as opposed to the laundry short, featured Stacker Dave and Mr. Bumpo and that whole little setup as well as the Russian. And that when that movie came out, it was kind of, okay, you had to throw his origin in, and then you threw in what was going on relatively recently. And those parts, I think, kind of worked for the movie. Unfortunately, the uh, John Travolta as the mob boss in Miami or whatever town they were supposed to be in, I just don't think worked at all. But that is neither the tricks nor between. Now, here's a spoiler for some of you. Later on in that series, one of my favorite jokes ever in comic books comes from Detective Soap. Detective Soap ends up striking a relationship up with a woman who's roughly about 20 years his elder, I'm going to say. They hang out at the same bar. They get into talking. He talks about how he was abandoned as a child, and she talks about how she gave up a child. And they buy drinks, they get drunk together because he's having issues in his life dealing with going after the Punisher. And 
the strong implication is the fact that, one, he now has a girlfriend, and I'm not certain if it's really his girlfriend or if she is a hooker, which I think is another one of those possible implications right there. But then the even stronger implication is that the hooker that he is having sex with, and you do see him in bed with the woman, is his mother. Have a good day. Hi, guys. This is Mike from Indiana. Uh, I'm calling with a comment on Stephen's reading of the 12, how he had said that uh, Apocalypse never really lived up to uh, his expectations of any of the stuff he read. If you want to read some good Apocalypse, I would actually recommend reading Uncanny X-Force, the first arc and then the subsequent arc uh, later, which I won't spoil for you, but it gets pretty intense. So check it out if you want to, and thanks for all the great podcasts. Bye. Thank you, everyone, who called in this week. Matthew, if people want to call and contribute and share their thoughts about anything that we've talked about, or maybe just their sh- uh, their thoughts in general, what do they do? <laughs> First, write your thoughts, hopes, and dreams on yes. a piece of notebook. Yes, writing things down yeah. is very important. Fold it. Fold it carefully. Put it in an envelope with a stamp. Address it to Major Spoilers Headquarters, the North Pole. Crumple it up, throw it over your left shoulder, and bark like a dog. Then dial 785-727-1939, the Major Spoilers, alternately male or female hotline. I want to uh, quickly mention these uh, tweaked audio headphones. They sent us a bunch of these last week. We're giving a pair away, uh, these uh, wood-colored ones that we're giving away. You'll have to listen to Dueling Review episode. Where were we? We were reviewing uh, Mars Attacks Popeye. Mm-hmm. So go back and review that. Listen to that one. We've got the contest details in there. We'll give a set away. But I have been playing with these tweaked PB earbuds. These are the flat ribbon, uh, Ooh, flat the cable one, yeah, earbuds, yeah, you know, the ones that don't tangle up. They're the ones that kind of look like um, iPod earbuds. These things rock. These they? are my favorite pair that Tweaked Audio has put out. Now, I like their other ones, Mm -hmm. but these are awesome. They have great fidelity. They've got, it seems like they've got, I don't know, maybe it's because of the noise-canceling technology, or maybe it's because of the, uh, maybe it's got a little bit of a boost based in in there, Mm -hmm. but it sounds wonderful. Nice. And I love them. So you can go check them out, too, listeners. You can head over to tweakedaudio.com. You can check them out. They've got four different styles. They've got six different colors. Uh, They can get one with a microphone. I think all these have some kind of an inline mic built into them. I haven't tried the ones that... uh, that I opened up out of the package. Uh, but listen to this. Here's the best part. Not only do they send us these free products and some of them we give away, if you want to order yourself a pair of Tweaked Audio headphones on checkout, use the code MAJOR and get 30% off your order. That's over at tweakedaudio.com. What's the deal with Conan? <laughs> is he is he fat? Is he thin? I mean, come on, pick a body and stick with it. Yeah, so this and week hey, we are reviewing uh, Conan, Conan, Throne to Al- Conan. Uh, what is it, Aquilonia? Uh, this Throne is, of Aquilonia. This is the last uh, set of the um, Road of Kings big major arc. This is, I think, what are we <laughs> no, reading here? crossover with Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. We're reading six issues, right? Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, six issues. Uh, that really comprised two different stories in this. And I think we read the first trade of the Road of Kings some time ago. Um, this one picks up after many of Conan's adventures. He's still on the road. On the road, he meets uh, a prince. 
Prince says, hey, man, come join my team. We're going to go to the big kingdom. We're going to have some fun. Mm -hmm. You can be part of my elite guard. When he gets there, he discovers that this prince is not as nice as everyone is, as he may have thought he was. Because he's trying to do a plot to throw over the king, overthrow the king, throw over the king. He's kind of an evil prince. He's an evil prince. He's called the butcher of uh, Paquin or something. (laughs) (laughs) And Paquin. And uh, in in league with him are a monk, Mm -hmm. another prince, Mm -hmm. or a uh, leader of the guard, Mm -hmm. and then a uh, duchess of some type, a womanly Uh figure, and her daughter. And... um, don't forget don't forget that this is a perfectly balanced D&D party. It really <laughs> is, to be honest. With the addition of Conan. It really is because you got the barbarian, you got the priest, yeah. you've got the eh, I guess we could call him a, a what is a rogue maybe or is he just a warrior? I, I think he's a straight up fighter if you were going to so, put him yeah. in, in D&D terms. Okay, and then uh who's the prince guy? Uh, the prince is an NPC that actually okay. just screws over the party. Okay, yeah. and then the uh, the duchess the or whatever lady her name is, is a bard. Okay, I can bard I can deal with that. Harlot, a bardlet, if you will. <laughs> well, she's in it because uh, the king killed her husband because he wants to get with her. Yeah, and so her That's motive what made is her revenge. A bard. Yes, uh, I think it made her a widow, but okay. Um, <laughs> that's a that's that's her paragon path. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, the um, the priest is there because he's wanting, I guess, part of his lands to be returned to him. It's kind of uh, ambiguous exactly what, what his, his yeah. purpose is. The uh, he's, he's kind of like you took my farm, Mister Chisholm. Yeah, and the fighter is there to part. kind of back everything up, and then the uh, the prince is there because he wants to be king. the king. Yep. And uh, their plot is discovered by someone who's a traitor from within, one of the uh, prince's guards. The um, All of them but Conan and the little girl are forced down into these underground caverns. Yeah. And Conan flees with the little girl, starts to have some uh, connection with the little girl, and decides to go help find the mother. They go down underneath. And again, you're right, Matthew, this is a perfect D&D adventure because the first four yeah. issues of this uh, of this trade, which is out this week from Dark Horse Comics... Um, yep. is, you know, let's do a dungeon crawl. <laughs> we go underground. What do we yeah, find? Yeah, we find the carrying crawlers. We find, you know, the, the giant centipedes and the spiders. And then next we'll fight zombies. And then, uh, we got giant lightning bugs. And then we whoo, yeah. finally make it out only to discover that the city is under siege. Mm. Oh no. Oh no. And then Bal Belbina shows up and wait. And when throws a rock. Up? <laughs> at Conan's head. You know what? What's fascinating about, about it, though? Someone else. Come on. Now. <laughs> As Conan stories go, and I haven't read tons and tons of Conan stories. No, but I've 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 probably read about let's say half a long box of Conan in my forty years of comic reading. This story is atypical for me in a couple of ways, because it's it's all about kind of. Conan playing to his weaknesses or rather not having any weaknesses. Cause we start out the story. He's doing that samurai thing of, I will not cross the bridge. I am. I will cross the bridge. Then you may cross the bridge. Right. And his pride gets him in trouble. And then there's a little girl and he tries to save the little girl and that gets him in trouble. 
And it just seems like throughout this story, anytime Conan tries to do something human, he gets screwed over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah. he thrown off a building. At one point when he uh, he and the little girl are, are talking or they're fighting, he was like, you know how you said you were scared to be here and and you didn't like this kind of stuff? He basically says, this is my element. This is where I feel most comfortable is slashing and killing and hacking through things. And Conan does like to use the pointy end of his sword quite a bit. Oh. And the and the big sharp edge and too. And he also tells her that she would be foolish not to be afraid. Yeah. Which oh I yeah because is, is brilliant. And I guess I never really paid much attention. I probably read about as many Conan books as you have, Matthew, uh, comic books. But I guess I've never been to the point where Conan admits a fear. And here he admits a fear, basically saying when the zombies are attacking, "Hey, um, mm. magic, magic scare Conan. Yeah, yeah. Mm, magic bad, yeah. bad magic." <laughs> and then when he finds and then out they that discover. Yeah, they works. yeah they find out there's some kind of a these would be be really cool uh, interesting uh, characters Rodrigo these uh, these mind bugs inside the the undead that are making them walk around and Conan's like oh it's a uh, it's a living thing which means it can be killed I'm not afraid anymore <laughs> chop 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 yeah. pokey 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 I can fighty, chop fighty. it in half <laughs> yeah it must be it must be okay I can kill it with my sword well up until that that time they would just start whacking everyone and they would still crawl oh yeah yeah until then they split them like straight down the middle and then right and then done. they discovered that there yeah, was that brain bug, bug yeah, inside yeah, yeah. and then they discovered that yeah. the lightning bugs eat the brain bugs and they're able to escape and the leg bones <laughs> connect to the neck bone Mm-hmm. Speaking of the neck and, bone. And eight hours coming up with this dungeon ecosystem and they figure <laughs> it out. Man. They shot you right in your So Stupid. so part of the deal was if if the if the party couldn't kill the king from the inside, then a uh another group that was in league with him from the south would start invading the castle and trying to take it over. The uh the lady says, Hey, the king killed my husband. He just wants to get with me. You guys put on these robes, pretend like you're my companions. We'll go up there. He'll take me in his arms, and then you guys can kill him, and we'll be done with it. And the plan almost yeah. works, as plans almost do. Yes. Yeah. And it, it almost works really well, and then and something bad happens. Yeah, the king kind of figures out that they're... Uh, well, the king's kind of a bad dude, too. He basically is like, take the daughter, take those guys, throw them to the dragon. Yeah. Lady, let's go yeah. get it on. And uh, He's going to kill the little girl. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it'd be different if he was just like, guard, seize those men. I sense, I, I, I sense a deception here. And, I you know, spare the little girl. But the first thing is, take the little girl and those guys yeah. and throw them to the dragon. And it's like, whoa, dude. Um, Conan escapes. Goes back in, starts cutting a bloody yes. path, finds out... Throws the himself out of stained glass window. That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there are some really cool action sequences in this. Mm-hmm. Um, finds the king. The lady has already stabbed him. She had a uh, blade hidden in her inner thigh. And uh, then she kills herself for whatever reason. I think because something about her husband was dead and she had no reason to live or... I don't know. Your it's, daughter, your daughter is the reason story. to live. Well, and again, well, Conan's what, got her daughter. Right. What, what, what Conan story wouldn't be complete without a giant monster of some kind. And here I like that they Blech. didn't go a traditional kind of dragon yeah. route. Yeah, I really like that too. And you really go more with a, like a giant kimono yeah, dragon a giant or a giant uh, iguana like a that's gotten out of, lizard. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's gotten out of control. 
Hi, how are you? I'm Satan. I'll be back later in the ah, I'm going to eat the little girl. Um, <sighs> of course, Conan wins. They I get back you. up. The prince all this time has just been a real jerk. Uh, the fighter has disappeared during all this and comes back with someone else. Rodrigo, who is that someone else? That someone else is the next in line to be king. And then the prince is like, no. <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> he is the legitimate next in line to uh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Boffer bops him in the face and knocks him out. Boffer, what's the guys? What's the uh, what's the hot? What's the dwarf's name and the the Hobbit that's got the big old Which crunchy beard? <laughs> oh wait, wait, I think that's wait, Boffer. Um, what's the dwarf's name and the Hobbit? <laughs> Bimley, it's Boffer. Yeah. Bimley, Bumfley. Bingley. And yeah, so Boffer, uh, I believe Buffer is one of the dwarves. Yes. Yes. He's the one, the big fat one with Boffer, the beard that comes I, down into a big Nori, ring. Ori Dori Nori. Ori Dori Nori. Okie dokie. Okie dokie and Loki. Ori Dori Nori. Skippy Dippy. Mickey Mike George. Sneezy Eater. Ringo. And Peter Best, the unforgotten dwarf from Hobbit. He's the one who didn't show up. Um, anyway, Conan saves the day and moves on, decides that even this kingdom on the road of Kings is not worth his time. Crazy, crazy men. And then we get into uh, chapters five and six. Yeah. And let's talk about the first four chapters for a minute. Yeah. I think I really like it a lot more than the last two. At the end of chapter four, it's this perfect closing point. I mean, the girl now has inherited her mother's countess hood or something and there's a guy on the throne who's not a bloodthirsty jack wagon mm -hmm. and conan is still running around with bits of stained glass window coming out of his muscles <laughs> yeah yeah it's actually really cool moment yeah he literally threw himself out a window fell two stories crashed into a fruit cart lay there and i'm like okay conan's dead wait conan can't be dead and he yes. gets up and he's like uh, I haven't fallen that hard since the time I fell off of the mountain. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this, it's this whole and, and here's the cool a, thing too. Great and, and like we've said before, this is Roy Thomas, the guy who used to write Conan back, Savage Sword of Conan back in the old Marvel days and whatever other days that the Conan comics and basically redefined Conan for the 1970s. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's where I first. I mean. Yeah, I'd probably heard of Conan in passing. You know, you read, you're going through the library and you see Tarzan and you see John Carter. Yeah. You know that there's got to be a Conan book sitting on the shelf as well. But it wasn't until the 1970s yeah. where kids were, you know, coming into class. Well, really, it was the late 70s, early 80s. Kids were coming into class and going, yeah. look at this, look at this. It's black and white. And look, you can almost see her naked. You know, this <laughs> kind of art that was in that that style. And it was like, holy cow, what is Savage this stuff? Sword actually did have nudity back yeah. in the old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. And so it's, it's, I mean, this first four issues is this perfect, wonderful kind of fantasy swords and sorcery story. And I don't like those normally. I am not a fan of the fantasy sword and sorcery genre, but throwing Conan into the middle of this for some reason makes these first four issues just, oh, this is fun. I like this. It, you know, I think there may be a couple of reasons for this. And Rodrigo and Zach, I want to get your input on this. A couple of reasons for this. Number one. Conan is probably more human than I've ever seen him before. Mm. You know, even even in some of the other uh, other books that Dark Horse has put out, because he admits that he's scared of things that are magic. 
he admits that, hey, that hurt, although not as bad as that time I jumped off the yeah, mountain. Yeah. And he starts to have this this human connection with this little girl, which is not the, you know, she's not the 18-year-old girl that's half naked that right. he's trying to protect and also bed at the same time. It's a she's little like girl, eight. yeah, that he is legitimately yeah. feeling some kind of protection factor oh, yeah. towards. And maybe that's well, why that the, this, the, this story works. I love the moment where she's like, my mommy left me. Are you going to leave me too? Yes. <laughs> After all, you said you were hungry. Yeah, yeah. And he goes Aww. out and gets her food. Yeah. yeah he gets her food. Aww. <laughs> Conan's a good Conan's dad. Conan's maternal instinct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and it even gets to the point where there's these two hoodlums who have uh, stolen a bunch of food, and he stops them in the alley, and he's like, uh, you guys got more food than I do. Give it up. And they're like, I'm going to stick you. And he's like, oh, I don't think so. And then the next scene, scene, he's walking back in and the girl's by the fire. And he's like, here, I got a whole basket of food. Uh, I already took a bite out of this one, yeah. but you can <laughs> you have this other piece. There's another piece of chicken left. Um, yeah. Rodrigo, what did you think of this this first this first arc? Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought that, um, like you said, it, it made for a much more relatable Conan. I, I like it, it kind of. Although you 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 can say that it went a very traditional way with the dungeon crawl, it kind of never went in the direction that I thought it was going to. It's like, you know, you bring all the conspirators together, and you kind of expect like the next thing to be like an Ocean's Eleven montage, mm, but no, mm-hmm. they get found out immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like so they escape. It's like, do you expect the next thing to be killing zombies? Not really. Yeah. And then once they finally get out of the zombie killing zone. It's like a war mm-hmm. that they had no, like, no ability to control. And, you know, the, at least that the, the main character didn't even know was coming. So I think it does a really good job of kind of always, uh, you know, at least uh, swerving you a little bit. It's like there's an expectation of how this story is going to go, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it never quite follows that. Um, that- the other thing that was strangely enjoyable about it is that it um and you guys bringing up that this guy actually used to write in the 70s it it uses that comic book language of i conan the samarian yes. mm-hmm. i'm going uh-huh. to use my sword to gut this lizard from gizzard to whatever else rhymes with that right you know um and it works really well and was actually really enjoyable um, yeah. which is usually not the case for me. Usually I, it takes me out of a book when yep. characters explain everything, but the language here was so poetic mm-hmm. that it was actually, it actually worked really, yep. really well for a bunch of noblemen from this, you know, bygone era. Well, and, and I, Matthew and I were talking before we started recording and I actually went out and I had a bunch of these, uh, Savage Sword of Conan, uh, trades, these, uh, what are they? $18 black and white rag paper trades that dark horse put out and has been putting out for a while. And it's the same way you go back and you read some of this and yeah, it's maybe a little bit more narrator heavy in parts, but it's Mm -hmm. still that same Roy Thomas language. And it's just like, Oh, this is so awesome. When you, when you read through this, you know, even when you read the, uh, uh, well, the frost giants, the first one in this book is actually a Robert E. Howard translation, but, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's well, really good. He's adapting. This is one of those things where Roy Thomas, I think, is probably in his late sixties, early seventies. But Roy can still write as well as he did in nineteen sixty eight. Mm-hmm. 
But there's no way that anybody's going to put him back on Thor or Spider-Man or Batman. You know, he's not going to be back on the books that oh, I don't man. think he ever wrote Batman on. Wouldn't it be awesome if he did like but, a dead man or a swamp thing or I don't know what I think that'd I think, be awesome. I think, you know, the way like if you look at Thor in the movie, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that Thor sounds a lot like this. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, And the reason for that is because. Roy, among others, helped to define what Thor was and what Thor has become. And that this whole arc to me is proof that you don't have to write off the old guys just because they're old. Mm-hmm. Here's what old, they have well, listed you know, as. The old creators kind of get the shaft. Here's what they have wow. listed as Roy's uh, Marvel creations. Ghost Rider, Vision, Iron Fist, Jade, Morbius, and Quasar. Also I worked for Archie Charlton. The Western Ghost Rider. Okay. Because Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider is the, the whole Mike Friedrich thing. Oh, okay. So I don't know. All right. Zach, what did you, what did you think of this first arc? Um, what I thought, it's been touched on a couple times already, but what I really liked was that it was a fantasy setting that didn't take it so fantasy that was, you couldn't entirely place it in the world, but it was mm-hmm. just enough that it was like magical. Right. Like, not like magic spells or anything, but it was just high fantasy and like something you'd almost want to adventure in for a day if you had a big sword and you weren't going to die. <laughs> um, well, actually, you know, it, this is uh, what I think what most people would consider low fantasy. This yeah. is because, yeah. you know, it's yeah, not yeah. wizards slinging spells at each other and magic weapons and stuff. This is, you know, deception plots and mm-hmm. trade yeah. routes. And yes, you know, right. this, the, the, the crux of it is a guy with a sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, rare, I mean, very rarely do we see the uh, the Thulsa Doom type magical beings raise their head. I mean, they do pop up quite a bit, but I like reading because uh, oh, yeah. when we read the first trade in this and then this one, there's very little of the magic-y magic. Mm. And that, that kind of works and, out. And that makes the guys like Kulan Gath and Thulsa Doom, when they do show up, it makes them that much more horrifying mm-hmm, right. that they're mm-hmm. not a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's it's all about tone and all about how they work everything in. So the time, that one time that you see a guy turn into a snake, it's like, holy crap, that right, guy right. just turned into a snake. <laughs> right, right. Even though in so many other books, it's like one of the members of the party turns into snakes all the time and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. It's not even something he yeah. learned. His race can do that. You know, kind of thing. The other thing, kind of yeah. leaning onto the art side that uh, that I noticed right away, and maybe you guys did too, and I just don't remember it in the other books, is Conan's word balloon is much sharper and has a, a well-defined edge on yeah. it, where everyone else is the regular round word balloon. And, yeah. you know, this was not done in the 70s, in, in these Savage Swords that I was looking at. So this has got to be something that's relatively recent, where you're making... Conan sound more rugged and gruff and, you know, basically, yeah. now you see what kind Maybe. of creatures we have to fight with, you know, kind of see, kind of. I kept, I kept hearing Michael Clark Duncan as uh, John Coffey. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that same cadence, but that, that deep voice with the kind of the, I, oh, yeah. I just, uh, as, as, as per, as per tradition, I watched the 13th Warrior uh, with my family. Oh, yeah. Uh, during the during the break and um there's the the main um the main guy like the the leader of the northmen 
has like this incredibly deep voice and that's who i kept hearing mm-hmm. and you know it's not gruff it's just like oh we will help you right, uh, right. We, we are 17 outfits below everyone else and also as I the uh big. and also as the sumerian he probably has a bit of an accent to his voice because they do, and, do and make they reference to that times yeah absolutely and so maybe and i just like that treatment of here's somebody that has a different word balloon almost right. like when at times, depending on who's doing the letter lettering, when you're reading Etrigan and he starts talking in demon yeah. rhyme, they'll start to use right. some of the old English uh, font style. Same way with the old Thor. But didn't uh, Simonson's yep. Thor used to they're do that, that too? Now. Oh, they're doing they're that again. Now, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's and it's and it's great. Um, and and they've they've done it on and off, but it's great to read an Avengers comic in which basically everybody gets their own word balloon because it's mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Um, Wonder Man gets his energy word balloon, and the Vision. Yeah, the Vision gets his robot word word balloon, and Thor gets his old time word balloon. Yeah, you know DC. DC does that a lot too, where they where they do that in in a lot of their stuff. Mm -hmm. So Mike Hawthorne did the. uh, Conan has an accent. I can't help but hear him as Eddie Izzard now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You think to me, I go see, and I'd advise you to stop doing so, eh? (laughs) The artwork is what? split. The artwork for this, this is split between is uh, Mike Hawthorne and uh, Dan uh, Panosian, I think is how you say his name. Um, and so you do have a distinct, different look between the two, between chapters one and two, and three and four yeah. in here. And chapter three, it's drawn by Ernie Cologne, and I loved every single panel of it. Is it? And none of you have any idea who Ernie Cologne is. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, let's get to, uh, alone after yes, he used uh, to run Avon. Skip chapter it. five and chapter six, Conan mm. finally reaches well. the end of the road of Kings and arrives in the city of Argos, where he discovers that a person that we've already met before, who he thought was dead by falling off the ship is now still alive. And together they're going to have some kind of grand adventure together by being mercenaries or some, some other such stuff. But first, we get the secret origin of Conan's outfit from 1987. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I uh, I don't, you know, a lot of the old paintings that we see of, of Conan, the um, certainly some of the Savage Sword covers where you see Conan, he's always wearing this helmet with the horns on it. Um, mm-hmm. That's the only reason the why I think that they're trying to throw those in. And the bracers, yes, and the, and the cape. Not so much the cape all the time, but I, I think the cape I remember a lot more from from some like eighties something or other. I don't know what that was from. If, if I know Roy Thomas, this story takes place in his chronology before a story where Conan is dressed like this. Oh, I'm sure it's not necessarily important to the plot, but Roy is setting that up because that is what the man did throughout the 1980s. If you read any all-star squadron or infinity Inc or any, any of the things that he wrote with the justice society, is he was filling in those gaps. So I'm sure that this ties into a story that we haven't read because it's 25 years old. Um, while Conan <laughs> is spending an entire issue going out and getting decked out in his uh, garb, his uh, friend uh, has got a girlfriend who works at a tavern, and uh, Captain of the Guard is mighty handsy with her. And they get in a fight, and his uh, best friend stabs the uh, the Captain of the Guard, and flees with the girl, and when Conan shows up, they want to put the blame on him, and he winds up in jail, and goes before the magistrate or the judge. 
and he kills everybody. He Conan jails of Argos. Yes. <laughs> he basically makes his way through the guards and says enough of the of Argos. I'm going to get in the boat and that'll be the end of that. Good night. Yep. Yeah, much. that's really it. That's pretty much it's so it disappointing. Well, it's it's almost it's like, you know, it's almost it's it. I guess it's interesting to a point where Conan has traveled this entire road of kings and every mm-hmm. place he stopped, he's found something that just doesn't agree with him time and time and time again. And then finally he gets to kind of his main destination and he finds out it's just as crappy as everywhere else has been. And he's like, screw this. I'm going to flee yeah, and I'm just going to yeah. go back on the high seas and f- become king of some uh, country in about 30 issues from now. It kind of felt like Had- the first four were the story they wanted to tell and they weren't allowed to pull it into six or it just wasn't going to be good enough if they pulled it into six issues. It wasn't going to work. So yeah, it just wasn't working yeah. six. So they had to write this other story to make it a full trade so they could publish yeah. it like that. Well, and that makes well, sense. And you know, but, this is coming out in individual right issues. issues. Right, right, right. So, but they're always, you know, most is, publishers are thinking about the trade. They, they are, but this is a, an example right. of how the writer isn't always writing for the trade, right. oh, yeah. even and if I the publishers tell him to. Had I read this story as the two page, the two issues where he's in uh, jail and he gets beat up and bloody blue, and then he leaves and then he goes on his his grand quest and ends up going through all the awesome, and we ended on that strong note of him riding away from uh, Anna Paquin land, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes, having saved the the young girl and everything. I feel like I would have really, really liked yes. the last two issues in this collection better. Mm. They were up front. Be, be, yeah, yeah, they are not the anchor for me. The anchor is the end of issue four. Yeah. That's the emotional climax of this story. Well, Had we gone, Conan has a fight, Conan meets a friend, weird things happen. Then the four issue arc that ends with that big, solid heft, that thud, and this is Conan's life, and he leaves the girl behind, but no. he may come visit her later. I that haven't read I haven't read all of the all of the issues in the Road of Kings, right? Mm. But the Road of Kings starts with Conan out on on the ocean and getting onto land and then at, by the end of the book he's back on the ocean again. So he's almost yeah. made that complete cycle through. So he almost has to end at that at that western ocean exit in this book. I don't know. I last two Issues were not a big thrill for me. I just thought that they were kind of like, really, we're stretching this out yeah. for, I mean, it's like eight pages of, well, hey, let me try on it, this it belt. Oh, yes, like, yes. That's a, a shark skin belt and these glaves. Yes. And these bracers. Yes. And oh, <laughs> let me put on this uh, cape. Oh, and this point, pointy it uh, felt helmet. A like we were meeting a page count. Yeah, yeah. 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 The way it's collected. And it's not even as though those last two stories are bad issues. Yeah. No, I like, I mean, the, the uh, you know, the, 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 the shopkeep guy that ends up trying to kill Conan is actually kind of a cool character in, in that way. You know, the, uh, the yeah. girlfriend is interesting. The friend is interesting. Um, but there's just, I don't know. You know, you know now that you, be? now that you mentioned that, um, this is the backstory of that outfit. That issue makes a whole lot more sense. Doesn't it? Yeah, because it's this is what it is, is that story about how Boba Fett gets his armor, right? Or right. whatever. Yeah. It's it's like and they have to write a story about it. It can't just be like from one <laughs> panel, like from one story to the next. He's got it. 
Yeah. Right. Like, well, the fact game. that they so just like, drew it the out, I mean, it's... Yeah. The way this is packaged, it feels like Luke Skywalker joins the Rebellion, hooks up Han Solo and Princess Leia, they save her from the Death Star, they blow up the Death Star, and then we get the first 15 minutes of Empire, <laughs> yeah, where, where it's after like, the Death Star <laughs> blows up, yeah. we see them on Hoth, and Luke gets hit by a Wampa, and then the movie ends with Han Solo <laughs> waving at the snowspeeder. Mm-hmm. That's the problem yeah. here it's not that it's bad it's that yeah. in order to meet the page count of the trade paperback we've ended up taking two stories that kind of don't trail the way they should where we have that big arc we have that mm-hmm. big solid awesome ending and then we have two more issues of some stuff kind of happens in the uh, previous trade that- in the previous trade roy Tom- that we read now again there's i think two trades in between here in the previous trade roy thomas had a long forward about, you know, how he came back into this and what this meant and some of the thoughts he was, I was really hoping that was going to be in this trade because I was hoping that there would be some kind of explanation mm-hmm. to some of this, but I don't know. When I was, when I was reading it and we got to the end of that issue four, I was like, oh, it's done. We're yeah, just yeah. going to have like 50 pages of bonus material. Yeah, I was like, cool. yeah, like oh, yeah. that's what, oh, yeah. that's what's going to happen. <laughs> but like, oh no, there's more stories and I don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, art, art wise, right. everybody, art wise, everybody, Rodrigo, it's a mix, but I think even the weakest issue isn't awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I would, I would even bring that up higher. I would say that at its weakest, it's good. And mm-hmm. at yeah. its strongest, it's actually like, it. they actually hit it out of the park. Yeah. yeah there's some great moments in that first arc of them, like running into battle and everyone's got their swords drawn and they're about ready to crack some I, people open i'm not a, i'm i'm i kind of like it that they're not afraid to uh show intestines you know no, when they chop a guy there, in yeah. half it's not like you're seeing a, a yeah, you know a piece of steak yeah, yeah. you know it's uh it's actually intestines yeah. and guts hanging out i i really like the art both artists i i really liked and until i went back and looked it their their style is very similar to one another to where you don't know notice a huge jump between one chapter and the next, I didn't you notice that it's was there until you said it. Uh, where one, you know, one chapter, yeah. Conan's face is a little bit rounder, mm-hmm. and then he gets a little bit more hard in issues three and four. You, um, you know what? It, you know what it was for me is the uh, the Duchess, like mm-hmm. that. Both those guys do have a fairly different style in which they draw women, I right. guess. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's that's. I was like, is this a different? artist and then as soon as i saw her i was like oh yeah it's definitely a different mm-hmm. artist mm-hmm. all right bottom change bottom 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 line rodrigo on this book i really enjoyed it i think this is you know i haven't read like a lot of prose books about conan but i've seen movies and i've read comics and this is actually probably out of all the conan stories that i've read this is probably one of the best ones um if you uh, move the 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 last two chapters to the front. Uh, you will enjoy this book greatly. Mm-hmm. I would certainly recommend it. Zach, uh, I've never read any Conan before, so it's my first stuff. But uh, I enjoyed it enough. I think people should probably read it. Um, I wouldn't buy it mainly just because you're probably paying like you know fifteen for I don't have really like for like uh, for like really good issues and two issues that are okay that just feel out of place. So if you can get your hands on it, it's probably worth a read. Uh, I think this was a great, uh, great book. I really enjoyed it. I recently picked up, uh, I don't know, through the Amazon store or something. And yes, listeners, you can go through our Amazon.com link at Major Spoilers 
and buy books for your Kindle or your Kindle uh, software on your iPad. And same uh, thing applies. We get a little bit of kickback from that. So I recently picked up um, Robert E. Uh, a Robert E. Howard omnibus, 99 collected stories, uh, including the frost giant story. And then, um, the coming of Conan, the Sumerian, which is, um, ah, I forget what that one's about. I don't know if that's the history of Conan or what it's the deal about is. 24 pages. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's a little bit longer than that, but I think it's more of the introduction of, of how Conan came to be. So I'm interested in reading that. Um, yeah, if you're even got a passing I'd say, you know, if you like the old uh, Schwarzenegger uh, Conan, and even if you like the new uh, the new Conan. Um, Momoa Conan? The, yeah, Momoa. the Momoa Conan, which I liked. Um, I say pick up this this trade. I, I give this a thumbs up if you're into this kind of stuff. Thumbs up. Yeah. Matthew, what about you? Indeed. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of, and unto this Conan, destined to wear the jeweled crown of Aquilonia upon his troubled brow, it is only Roy Thomas, his chronicler, who alone can tell you of this saga, and thus doth the mighty King Cobra imbue it with four slices of meatloaf and a hearty recommendation on high adventure. Uh, so, so did, yeah, did you, did you totally like it? it? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Major Spoilers Experience. Next week, I think we're doing some Judge Dread. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Major Spoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Major Spoilers. Batman's great vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Yes, I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Oh, wait, I think I found a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just buzz through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all those tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I bag and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. One I really even need to keep up on all those escapades. I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a king set though soldier.
Major spoilers is copyright 2013. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.